My name is Laurens Jacht. And welcome to Cybersecurity Talks, the interview podcast for cybersecurity professionals and for those who aspire to become one. And in this podcast, I interview industry experts and explore what it's like to work in the cybersecurity domain. Join us on our journey and learn about the latest trends, real-life war stories, and everything you need to know about this fascinating industry. Today, we're sitting down with Joost Boele. Joost is the Chief Information Security Officer at the Anthony van Leeuwenhoek Hospital, also known as the Netherlands Cancer Institute. We're very excited to have the first CISO from the healthcare industry on the podcast. Joost has a very impressive educational background, holding a bachelor degree in biomedical science and one in artificial intelligence. He graduated cum laude for his master's degree in bioinformatics. And if this wasn't enough, he also did a PhD in bioinformatics. In 2015, he kicked off his cybersecurity career at Deloitte Cybersecurity uh, Risk Advisory Department. He worked there for five years and made promotions to the manager level. After that, he became the CISO he is today. Joost is now responsible for all information security issues and topics at a major cancer hospital and the research institute that holds more than 3,000 full-time employees. He reports directly to the board and manages seven information security officers. Joost, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We always start with the same line of questions, so uh, I want to jump right into it. What you need to know about me. What meal do you start your day with? Old school Dutch sandwiches. What is that? Cheese? Hagelslag. Ooh, good. Or something of the sort. Android or iOS? Android. What's your favorite phone app? Favorite phone app? I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Reddit, but it will probably also go in the guilty pleasures category. That's another question coming up. <laughs> yeah. Working from home, office, or a mix? Yeah, I think after two years of Corona, you're only going to get a mix answers. Are you a gamer? I like to play games. I won't say I'm a full-fledged gamer. Okay. Laptop, desktop, server, or VM? Usually desktop. Guilty pleasure. There it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slow cars and fast carbs. Okay. <laughs> I love that one. What's your favorite car? <laughs> A Citroën Dejavel. Okay. That's an old school one, I guess. That's an old school one. And you drive uh, a... An, an... A 40-year-old Dejavel. Yeah. Nice. That's amazing. Cloud or on-prem? On-prem. I work at a hospital. Come on. That must be. First word that comes to mind when I say cybersecurity? People. And your password is? I don't know my password. I use a password manager. That's the whole point. This is a public service announcement. Do you want to work with the next generation of cybersecurity professionals? Or do you want to start a career in cybersecurity yourself? Then join us, because we're on a mission to close the cybersecurity talent gap. We started a new educational company called The Guardianship. Here we train digital talent to become the next generation of cybersecurity professionals. For more information, go to theguardianship.nl. That is theguardianship.nl. Now let's get back to the episode. The beginnings. While I was just reading out the introduction, I thought working as a CISO of, of the Dutch Cancer Institute, it must be a very rewarding job, but also a very responsible one, uh, and therefore probably also very stressful. How do you cope with this? How do I cope with, with the stress of... of the load bearing on my shoulders. I, I try not to think of it that way. Like, it's it's not the case that if I weren't around, then the ha- hospital would magically get hacked and and everything would catch fire and and stuff would start crumbling down. It's not like that. Um, so, I I try to make something nicer every day I go into the office. Um, 
and and I try to be there if something should go wrong. That's all I can do. So it's, it's probably sometimes good to not think of the potential consequences and you cannot do that alone as a CISO. You, you probably do that with a team as well. Exactly. Like if, if I'm not there, somebody else is going to be there. Um, a psychologist might say I'm compartmentalizing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's good. It's a coping uh, strategy. I think you have a very interesting profile because you combine two disciplines, maybe the, uh, your medical background and, and all the research you've done. And since recently, information security. But I, I'm curious what interest came first. What interest came first? Well, that's actually uh, actually quite telling. Um, when I was in high school, I was already pretty handy with computers. Uh, and it came time to select what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I knew I wanted to be a researcher because I wanted to add knowledge to what's already around. And there's a couple of fields that sprang to mind. Some of them I dismissed immediately, like math, not good enough at math, good enough at math. That's not not good for me. Um, computer science was was way on top of the list, but I chose against that because I could go to school for five years, be a computer scientist, and learn things that I could more or less grab off the internet as well. I don't want to um, uh, demean computer scientists all over the world. But for me, the uh, the factor that made me choose biomedical sciences was you need a lab to study biomedical sciences. And for for the, the five years that the Dutch government granted me of studying for free back in the day, I, I figured I'd choose something with, uh, with uh, a high cost, so to speak, in, in the sense that I, I could not do this on my own. I need experts, I need a lab, I need equipment uh, in order to learn how to do at least the practical work there. And I had great fun doing that. And on the side, I picked up the artificial intelligence degree because I, I kind of still wanted to study some computer science as well, formally. And was it tough? Because I, I have one bachelor degree, but uh, doing another bachelor degree on the side, that must have been challenging. Were you always a, a high achiever? <laughs> <laughs> Calling yourself a high achiever is uh, <laughs> it's maybe a territory I don't want to go into. Um, I'm a curious guy. I, I like learning things. Um, and, and this was no exception. I just figured at some point I, I have a lot of spare time on the side. I, I learn quickly, especially from books. Uh, this is what university is all about, absorbing a lot of knowledge and, and being quizzed on that. And I figured I could take some more. So I did. Yeah, amazing. And you had quite a long journey in uh, in academics. Uh, can you explain a bit more about your PhD and the research you've done? Yeah, so after I did uh, biomedical sciences and artificial intelligence, the, the, the logical next step was bioinformatics. And bioinformatics is where biology meets computer science, so to speak. Um, there's a couple of major directions within bioinformatics uh, that one can take. And the one that I liked most was sequence analysis. Like what's on the DNA? What does it mean decoding this? It's really cryptography for biologists, which is why I liked it. And a lot of biologists that I took the genomics class with, they hated it. They're like, why am I looking at these ACs, Ts and Gs? This is bullshit. I wanna, I wanna grow cells. And I love that stuff. So I, I went in there. Uh, in the end, my, my research was very broad. My, my thesis was called Of Systems and Cancer. Okay. An analogy for of mice and men, um, nice. And um, and it was all over the place from um, the metabolism of cancer cells that they have some very specific uh, aspects that are not found in regular healthy cells. And the the hope at that point was that you could exploit this in order to target cancer cells selectively and and leave the healthy the cells alone. Cells. 
So there was some, uh, some of that in there. And there was uh, some sequence analysis and deep sequencing data in there uh, left over from a master's internship that I did in Japan. I, I kind of kept that on the side, even though it wasn't a specialty of the group I was uh, working towards my PhD in. Um, because I liked it a lot. It was very heavy on the comp uh, on the computational uh, bit. And I really liked working with the sequences directly. So that was fun. And there was also some, some signaling between molecules. It, it was all over the place. It was great fun. And the thing that tied it all together was that somehow all of the different topics within, well, quite a fundamental bit of bioinformatics uh, was cancer. Yeah, then super interesting to do research on topics like this. What was one of the main findings? Uh, is there something you're proud of with the PhD that you can really showcase? Okay, this is how I added to the the scientific world. Well, it's extremely fundamental. So, so we have to go quite deep, quite fast in order for me to to explain this. Um, what what you learn in high school is DNA is transcribed into RNA, which is translated into proteins, and proteins do everything within the cell. But that's not the only thing that RNA does. And this was quite new at the time. You have something called microRNAs which are used in a pathway that degrades the regular messenger RNAs. And within these microRNAs, it turned out that there was a whole world of isoforms, so, so different forms in which every individual microRNA can manifest itself. And I was looking at the sequencing data and some of it looked like junk because there was so much of it. I almost threw it out when I was pruning the data and there was so much of it, it couldn't be right. And I looked up the sequence and it turned out that it was a microRNA. Not only that, there were forms of this microRNA that were so prevalent that they could not have been an accident. So we looked closer into that and with a lot of work also by the, by the co-workers in Japan because a lot of the molecular biology was done by them. Um, we, we found out there was a pathway in which one protein added stuff to the microRNA and another cut it up again. And this was a way to get rid of this microRNA if you had too much of it. Okay. Very fundamental. And this is, in, especially in breast cancer, there's a lot of this microRNA. So it's, uh, for me, this is extremely fun. And I can imagine if you're listening to this and you're going, I'm supposed to listen to cybersecurity. <laughs> no, Where it's this very interesting. It's, uh, but I like it. It's, uh, but it's really cool to see how you've combined the two, uh, the, the, the computational side, the, the computer science, maybe also pattern recognition outlier recognition and then with the the medical world and then such a an important topic so that's uh that's very cool joining the dark side and after your um graduation of the, of the phd you did decide to to join some call it the the dark side that you go uh work in the industry what was the reason for leaving the the academic field yeah the dark side uh so so this for, for somebody who wanted to be a researcher since basically puberty, uh, this hurts a little bit. Like you go through a process in which you come to the realization that maybe, just maybe, being a full-time scientist and a full professor and, and being that guy that lives for knowledge, maybe that isn't for me. And it, it came to dawn on me uh, when I realized that in order to stay in science, I would have to take temporary job after temporary job, you call them postdocs, yep. you know, postdoctoral fellowships. Uh, they, they're between one and three years typically. I was expected to go abroad, uh, to, to broaden my profile and, and broaden my view of the world as a researcher. I'd spent over a year abroad in my master's and my PhD combined. So I, I didn't really feel like this. I want to settle down. I want to start a family. How am I going to start a family if I don't know where I'll work in three years? 
Yeah. Um, this this life I decided maybe isn't for me. Like may, maybe I'll come back to it one day. Um, but for now, not so much. And this this hurt uh, in a in a sense. Um, and one of the things that that for me mattered with this was if you're a scientist, then a part of your job is applying for money for funding. Yep. Uh, you're essentially applying for your own job or maybe your next job um, for a grand percentage of your time. Um, wasn't looking forward to that. I, I'm, I'm not a commercial guy. I'm, I'm a content guy, or at least I, I, I viewed myself in this way. So I, uh, I decided to go do something else. And I came back to my, uh, to my first love. I'm doing air quotes right now for, for those listening, uh, well done. <laughs> uh computing and, and being, a uh, being somebody who's handy with computers and and hopefully helps healthcare along and stuff like that. So I joined a health insurance company, uh, and and was the guy that went between the business and IT and and tried to make sense of uh, of that stuff. And that's how I ended up there. And was it difficult to to land a job in in the, the commercial space? Sometimes PhD professionals find it a bit difficult to find access to the the commercial labor market because for, for commercial companies not always clear okay what what knowledge have you gained during a phd and it's usually four years but does it stand for one year of work experience or six like how good are these uh professionals that did a phd how was it for you to uh, get that first job well the difficult thing was figure out what i wanted to do and um so so the health insurance uh, field in the netherlands is typically not for profit uh, some of it is um but in my case the uh um, there, w- there wasn't really a for-profit commercial aspect to the, to the company that I worked at. So that wasn't so difficult, but figuring out what to do, that, that was kind of, kind of tricky. So I, you, know, you just start Googling, like, what do you do after a PhD? What, what type of companies would hire me? Uh, consultancy companies turns out would hire you. So there was a, there was a strategy consulting company on the Zuidas that would, uh, uh, that, that would specifically target PhDs and they organized a dinner and I went there and. Well, it, it it sounded it kind of sounded good, like maybe uh, going to uh, uh, going into consulting would be for me. So I interviewed with a bunch of those strategy consultancy companies. Um, I got shot down at each and every one of them. Uh, some of them I did get second interviews with, uh, but in the end, I mean, I I wasn't ready. They were they were totally right. We weren't a match. I I probably wouldn't be cut out for the life, and and I wasn't ready. I also interviewed with Deloitte, where I later ended up. I, they they also targeted PhDs for a data analytics position, which makes sense. Um, and at the time, I guess I wasn't ready for the commercial field, like you uh, like you said. And um, and also, uh, I I didn't really know what I was running into. So I I did the assessment. I had the interview. Uh, they wanted me back for a second interview, and and they they kind of scared me with with how 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 large uh, Deloitte is and, and how commercial uh, some of what they do really is. It was like, whoa, I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. So I took the job with, uh, uh, with the health insurance company, DSW, yeah. and I started working there instead, not knowing I'd be back at Deloitte. Soon. Yeah, because I think you worked there exactly for, for one year, and then you started uh, flirting again with Deloitte. <laughs> I didn't even last a year. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even, yeah. <laughs> but was it you or was it Deloitte that I came knocking on your door? Or? No, I came knocking at their door. Um, so health insurance changes once a year in the, in the Netherlands. I was, what, 23, 24. 
I wasn't ready for for something so static just yet. So I I, I kind of started looking around once once I realized this and once I I, I did gain skills at, at DSW. Um, and at the time, I was also a freelance web developer. That was something I did on the side. I picked it up as a PhD, and uh, I, I kept doing that for small, medium enterprises, not-for-profit stuff. And one of the not-for-profits, they had an event in the Amstel Hotel, and there was there were a couple speakers there that I knew. Uh, one was a friend's mother-in-law, and and one was a professor at the university I did my PhD at. So I figured, you know what, I'm I'm just going to go to this event, get to know my client who organized the event, and you know what, maybe. Um, maybe have some fun, you know, uh, with, with the people I know. And there was a guy from Deloitte there, Deloitte Cyber. And I never realized they did cyber. I'd never realized I could do cyber. He also had a PhD and, and we got to talking. He, he had a word cloud on one of the slides and before he showed it, he asked, what, what do you guys want for a job? And people would go like a challenge, ambition, money, promotions. They would say all of the socially acceptable stuff. And he wanted 10 words and I could get one in at the, as the 10th word. And that was fun. I, I want my job to be fun, fun and a challenge. That's what I'm looking for. He popped up the second slide and the biggest words in his word, word cloud were fun and a challenge. Uh, so I'm like, maybe, just maybe we need to talk. You know what? I just took this job at DSW, but he said, you know, we're always hiring. Just whenever you're ready, send me your CV. So a couple months later, I decided it's time for me to move on. I sent him my CV. Nice. Next day, I was at the table with him and a partner. And the next week, I was hired. Amazing. I went to their Christmas bottle uh, <laughs> before <laughs> officially having a job there. It sounds like he social, socially engineered you a little bit there. Well, if if I feel like I won, am I really being tricked? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> That's a good good marriage. So did you become more uh, commercial, a better commercially trained I became, mind? I, I became more structured. And and for some people, that, that feels like a straitjacket. And at first, for me, uh, the, the academic guy, uh, it did too. But there's benefits to it as well. And uh, you mentioned stepping into a bank. Well, you've you've seen a lot from the medical world, where you also put uh, on all sorts of clients, or because they know your profile, they thought okay, he might be a better fit for uh, maybe the healthcare clients that we also serve. In the end, I had quite a big say in what type of clients I served. So my first client was a bank. Uh, was one of the first days in the uh, in the office. The the second week, I was sent to CISSP uh, boot camp. Cool. And after that, I, I just uh, worked at the bank uh, pretty much full time for uh, for a couple months at least. Uh, so I got sent to the bank uh, like, oh, this might be a match for you. Yoast, this, this was the first client, so I had no idea. Uh, banks, they're quite formal. So I show up there, suit and tie. We hardly ever wear ties in Deloitte anyway. Nobody but does I, I was a cyber, told, I feel. I was told these banks, they can be quite stuck up and, and uh, you know, suit and tie. So I sit down opposite my stakeholder black jeans, black t-shirt. I'm like, great job, Yost. That's a great first impression <laughs> you made there. Um, so so that that was banking for me. So banking actually is, is also quite relaxed and I got quite good at payments and, and how, how do payments flow through a uh, retail bank. Uh, so the next job, of course, uh, is also gonna be in this sphere. Uh, and but but I did have some influence on this. So at some point I felt I was done playing around with with payments. I still got asked for it, I still did it. Scenario analysis was also something I, I turned out to specialize in, kind of stumbled into it. Uh, but I wanted to do public sector because it, it's really where my heart lies. And I always uh, metaphorically said, if I'm 
working at a bank, if I'm sent to a bank, especially at the time I was a manager, uh, what's expected of me is I, I go I go into this company, be like a tornado, leave dead bodies in my wake, leave a path of destruction. But at the end, the job's done. That's what I'm paid for. Um, that sounds harsh. They want results. In public sector, what happens is I go in, no, nobody seems to notice. I kind of nudge the work in this direction, nudge the work in that direction. After a couple, uh, after a couple months, say, uh, the work's done. It might be a time overrun, but it's not a budget overrun. Nobody knows I was there and they look around and they go like, wait a second, the work's done. The, okay, this is great. Who was this guy that used to be here? Who was the ghost? <laughs> that, that, that's the definition of success for me in, in public sector. Like that, that's kind of the attitude difference between the two places, like yeah, financial services and the public sector more than just a patient okay so you specialize more towards the the public uh type of of clients and also already the healthcare because uh, i'm slowly moving forward to where you uh, be, become the CISO. and then comes the big move in in 2020 i think uh also when the, the pandemic was already uh predicted or already there then you switch to uh to the anthony van leeuwenk uh, hospital that, that's a great yeah. move how did that uh, came about How'd that come about? So I, I, I fail to learn lessons sometimes. Um, you should look at your next job while you still like your old job. I, I, I'm always too late, uh, I feel. So when I, was at, uh, when I was doing my PhD, I didn't look around outside academia enough. And even inside academia, I didn't study the job market enough to, to actually make this a success. So I decided to make this work. Um, I was at the health insurance company for so short a period of time that it was, um, that it was difficult for me to, to learn my lesson and, and, and really make this work. I, I really got lucky with Deloitte. And then at Deloitte, at some point, my job, job started to get more commercial. Uh, and like I said, I'm, I, I don't think of myself as a commercial guy. I, I started to get sort of good at it. I wanted a promotion into senior manager, uh, missed it once. Then I really wanted to try hard and, and do it. And to do so, I, I had to really beef up my commercial profile. And if I may say so myself, I did get good at it, but at some point it felt like I was, I was doing a play with the people opposite the table. I got to know people. Uh, people I liked at the client and and we were like doing a little performance like I said the right words he invited me to propose something I proposed something he took the uh, he he took the bait so to speak uh, signed the papers and I'd made a sale I'm like yeah uh, we both knew this was going to happen why, why did we go through all emotions and um, upon realizing this I was like you know what I could probably make senior manager this time but it's uh, maybe it's my time to move on and I started looking beyond the boundaries of Deloitte. And indeed, this was as uh, Corona was spreading, but nobody really knew about this at the time. I was in Milan, turns out, when the whole thing started started happening. Uh, but uh, I, I never knew and I never got infected anyway. And um, I, I came across this this job ad for, for a CISO at Antoni van Leeuwenhoek. The first time I was like, okay, interesting organization. Nah. I shouldn't go be a CISO at a hospital. This is this is asking for trouble. It's, I mean, the chances that 
security is, is taken seriously enough for me to go do a proper job there are slim. Just the general impression that I had of the sector at the time. Um, and then I came into the ad again. I was like, you know what? This is the only place where my background in cancer research and my background in security come together in one position that's also of a level that would make a good career step at this time. Maybe I should go talk to these people. I went and talked to these people and uh, there were some pretty intense job interviews. Uh, I had four people in the in the same room as me at the time and they all had questions for me and um, and we, we just had a nice conversation. And, and the thing that stuck with me throughout the interviews was, was the general sense of warmth that, that emanated from these people. They, they really took to heart everything that as a cancer institute you, you want to stand for. And, and every person I meet that's a colleague now, they, they have the same values as I do. And this was present throughout the three interviews that I had. Uh, I had three interviews uh, over a course of eight days in total. The last interview, I think, was December 23rd or something with a member of the board of directors uh, who I was supposed to go report to just to see if we would uh, be a match. She returned from holiday, uh, I think, in order to meet with me for a, for a half hour tops just to, they were excited that they found somebody as well. Yeah. So uh, so they came back for that. Uh, amazing. So, uh, yeah. Because I would also say for, for uh, as a recruiter, I think your background doing so much cancer uh, research and, and then having uh, a strong footprint in cybersecurity already makes you the, the perfect profile indeed. But very young, you're still a very young guy and to to carry that uh, that heavy load on your shoulders, that's, uh, that's, that's very impressive, very cool. Yeah, fun and a challenge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they put it on a whiteboard probably somewhere yeah. when you stepped in. <laughs> No, uh, cool. And uh, I, I also sense that now you surround yourself with maybe more like-minded people or that, that really have a bigger sense of, of caring for society. And because and, um, you mentioned earlier with Deloitte that sometimes you just play the role and, and that you you come in with a certain agenda and maybe your client knows it. But how is that different now that you work for one client and... and, and well, I, I want to distinguish between Deloitte the company and Deloitte the people, because the reason that I joined Deloitte in the first place was that, as it turned out, as I went through the interviews, we had 100 plus people there at the time, boys and girls like me. We all had the same hobby. We tried to tinker around with stuff, make it do different things than they were supposed to do, according to the people that made them. Um, a lot of these people, most of these people, they want to do something good for society. Uh, they they had the corporate slogan make an impact that matters, but for most people that was why we were there. So I wouldn't say that that at at the cancer institute I I have this and I didn't have it at Deloitte. I just have it in a different way because now I have an internal role, and it's it's fun in a way to have an internal role because if I go somewhere as a consultant, I have to overcome somebody's mistrust of somebody who takes home what they perceive to be as a big paycheck. And, and who just gets plopped there because he has Deloitte on his business card and, and he goes and fixes my mess, so to speak. So there's sometimes there's some hostility there or at least some mistrust uh, that, that you have to overcome. I started working at the hospital. Um, not only did I not have to overcome this barrier, the first thing people noticed was, oh, you're internal. Oh, oh that that's great. And you're here full time. Oh, that's wonderful. Like, okay, so I get credit for having a heartbeat in two hands and, and for and having signed time. a contract <laughs> with these uh, with these guys. All right. So so this is this is nice. And and secondly, um, 
sometimes having a background in science really uh, helps establish that I, I understand what what these people are trying to do here. I'm, I'm one of the one of the guys. I'm one of I'm one of us, so to speak, even though I'm not a practicing scientist anymore. So uh, yeah, so so I guess that's the that's the difference. But in the end, all security people want what's best for the world. We just get to choose which company we work for. Yeah, I fully agree. I think it's a very ethical group of, of uh, professionals. And for you, how was it? Because you did a lot of cancer research, but then you're working indeed with the molecules and, and the cells. And now the first couple of weeks you stop, uh, step into a cancer hospital. You see the, the patients and the family. How was that to really set the foot in, in such a hospital? Yeah, so as a researcher, I, my 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 work was so far removed from anything clinical um, that I never stopped to think about this. And during my first weeks, which was just before the lockdown struck, uh, I had people walking in front of me who were holding hands going into this hospital. And that's the, the second or third day walking from my car to my office. It's like, all right. So it, it really hit home for me then that, that cancer ruins, uh, not ruins families, but it, it's a tragedy that strikes more than just the patient. And even though people come to our hospital uh, filled with with hope and and get the best treatment available uh, to them, um, this is a realization that I'd never had except when somebody around me uh, got cancer and and maybe got cured, maybe uh, maybe didn't get cured. Uh, but that was me as uh, as a next of kin, so to speak. And now I'm here as an employee and I'm, I'm trying to do what's best for them. I'm, I'm trying to help them or at least contribute to somebody who does. So that's, uh, I try not to think about it too much. Yeah. Uh, I, I try, I try to be the best information security guardian I can be. And, um, I, I know I'm doing it for, for cancer patients and, and for visitors and, and for, for science, um, but I'm, I, I might as well have, have done it somewhere else. It's it's a matter of professional uh, professional honor to just do the best I can. Yeah. Well, would you feel more motivated if you see actually the patients in the hospital every day? Do you feel an extra push? I, I can imagine if you're a consultant for a bank and, and maybe it's time to clock out, then you feel, okay, uh, Monday I pick it up again, but maybe here on a Friday, you feel, okay, I, uh, I want to do this. It, 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 I don't see it as my job. I see it as a, a duty and I'm, I feel very proud of what I'm doing here. I'm intrinsically motivated. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But knowing that you can get a better paycheck somewhere else, um, perhaps with a bank uh, or another sector, but, uh, I, I think that that shows, uh, character. Yeah, I get to take something home anyway, whether it is uh, a good feeling at the end of the day, like having contributed to something bigger than myself or uh, a fat bag of cash. Uh, that's that's a choice that I can make at any point during my career. And anybody, anybody can make that choice. I won't begrudge anybody their fat sack of cash if they go work for a fintech company yeah. and, and be an information security guy there. Uh, go for it. They, they need security as well. Yeah, yeah I think everybody... Uh could use a good security professional nowadays, yeah. People, it's always people. And um, I, I'm curious within the, the medical sector, what are some of the challenges that uh, that you are facing? People, it's it's always people. Um, I, I think anybody in information security will agree that, that in a relatively open organization, like science is open, healthcare is open, um, there's, there's people walking in, there's people working, 
these people want to uh, do something new every day, uh, get get new treatments, get new knowledge. Uh, and the challenge is to hopefully ensure that this is all done in a safe and secure manner. Also, on, on my own end, people, uh, getting people interested in security, uh, getting researchers in, interested enough in security so that they'll they'll think about this and and maybe call for advice uh, call call somebody on my team and 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 see if they can they can think along when when something is uh, is about to be implemented yeah because you have a team of, of seven uh, information security officers but um how was it for you to be a CISO and then also run a team so people report into you and you report directly to the board that's uh, also a pretty cool experience but was it new for you no uh, well deloitte is a matrix organization right so so at one time i'm a project manager at one time i'm a project member it's it's all very fluid there and one of the things i wanted by going to work somewhere internally was to assume this position of leadership to to be uh, a manager or a leader or anything in between if you wish um and well, you'd have to ask them uh, whether I'm doing a good job of it. <laughs> what do you think they will say about your leadership skills? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> we no, will. The, I, I, I hope I can provide fun and a challenge. Like, yeah. I, I I try to lead by example by taking some Legos into the office and 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 just playing around with those by taking time out of my day to go learn new stuff and work on my own development and encouraging people to do that. I, I have some some views on this uh, as well and and people sometimes need to be motivated to to actually do the things that they want to do but they feel are unprofessional or not what's expected of them in in their capacity and um yeah i, I try to make the world a better place in this uh, in this sense or i think what, what i perceive to be a better place anyway yeah i think you're doing a, a good job there and is there something you're uh, specifically proud of already of what you have achieved within nospro I'm not a proud person. Um, if if I, I always I, I have I have slogans sometimes. So um, uh, one one of my slogans is I try to make 3,300 friends at the hospital. There's about 3,300 people that work there, and I, I I I would like to get to know all of them. I know that I can't, uh, but at least to have them have them know who I am and what they can come to me for. If, if that is something that I achieved, then I think I'll have done a good job. I'm not there yet. Uh, but again, people are the challenge. And I try to keep us out of the newspaper. I try to keep out of their way. And I try to get into their heads. So that's the, that's the end game. Okay. That's a big, a big goal you have there. And what in general is the, the state of, of uh, security within the, the healthcare industry? Because, of course, you deal with a lot of non-IT people, a lot of medical people, researchers, doctors. How, how far does their cybersecurity knowledge go? How far does it go? Well, well it's funny. Um, if you package it the right way, um, then they can get them very interested in, in, in this, this type of topic. So I try to give demonstrations and, and show practical examples of why it's an unwise idea to use open Wi-Fi anywhere. I just brought a pineapple to the office. Um, and, and during one of those lunches where, where doctors get together to discuss not only medical, but also managerial things, I demonstrated some of this. This makes it much more tangible than some guy uh, up in the overhead department um, telling them they can't do something that they would really like to do. 
Um, so, so that's that's one of the ways. I, I gave a talk two days ago actually on how to hack uh, RFID cards, like MyFair uh, cards, using stuff that you get off of uh, uh, Alibaba. Okay. Um, that's that's the kind of thing I, I do to. Um, well, I, I don't want to say win hearts and minds. I sound like the U.S. Army if I if I say that, but it's it's something like that. In general, though, um, what's the state of security? Well. Um, at, at risk of beating a dead dog again, security is a state of mind. And um, the, f for lack of a better explanation, if, if the state of mind is unable to be achieved in, in every single one of these people, it shouldn't be because they are here to cure cancer. They are here to, to find new knowledge of cancer. I'm there to be in the shadows and, and make sure it happens securely. Yeah, so you, you, you support their great work. Yeah. By doing a great job yourself. Yeah. Well, I try. Yeah. Yeah. And with me are over a hundred people in the IT department that do the same thing. But uh, in general, I, I, I have a feeling, but please correct me if I'm wrong, that some of the systems that are being used in the healthcare, that they're pretty old school. Maybe there's even some legacy and there's a lot of IoT devices. So I, I can imagine there, there are a lot of things as a CISO you have to think of. What, what are the main topics for, for you? Yeah, every organization has legacy, except for maybe a startup. So, so you'll find that in our hospital as well. Also, some some techniques don't change a lot. So, why buy new equipment if the old stuff will do? Um, these are all considerations that come to mind. Healthcare is not an old school industry. It's it's very cutting edge, in fact. So, the challenge is not so much in in securing legacy systems. Sometimes it is. The challenge is also in making sure the bleeding edge stuff is done securely. And I, you're now in a good intersection that you combine two things that you're very passionate about. So uh, probably you're at a, at a good spot now. Yeah, I am at a good spot now. And, and, and perhaps after a while, I'm, I'm, I'm going to recognize that maybe it's time for somebody else to take the helm of at least information security at the institute and um uh and 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 build upon uh what's left when i leave and and where where my step will take me then uh that's that's my next challenge yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of difficult to figure out as a as a CISO i find uh, what it is i i want to do when i grow up so to speak like, am I going to take the next CISO job? Am I going to go back to consultancy? Am I going to start my own business? Um, am I going to do something completely different again? I always wanted to get a law degree. Maybe I will. So you never know. You never know. And and what is something that, that concerns you? If, if you look at the cybersecurity world, what, what's something that keeps you up at night? People. And 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 and. If you're listening to this, don't think that Lano's put me up to this, um, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's a huge people gap in, in cybersecurity. Every single person that I can encourage to go learn about cyber, and maybe, just maybe, take a job there. Um, I think that's a great win for, for society. And I think that goes for a lot of professions because it goes for nursing as well. It, it goes for many, many different things. Uh, but I think in, in general, um, there are far too few people out there uh, that are ready to enter the job market and, and be a security professional. You don't always have to go for a, for a fast-paced consultancy gig. Uh, there's plenty of companies, large and small, that 
that have dire need for somebody with knowledge of what an attacker sees when he looks at your systems. And I'm, I'm actually quite well endowed at my current position with a team of seven. Um, but in general for, for healthcare, but for any not-for-profit industry, and I guess for any small medium enterprise as well, hiring is a real challenge. Yeah, and I'm afraid it's only going to increase the the trouble that companies have to go through to to find the right people. There's really a big uh, big shortage ongoing. Or train your own, but it's the same problem anyway. Yeah, and what would you tell young and ambitious students that that maybe consider a career in cyber? Life's a journey. Go do what makes you happy. If if hacking stuff is what makes you happy, it 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 is for me as well. I. I did it while I was in university anyway. So um, just go give it, a, give it a shot. And what are some of the craziest things that you've seen in your cybersecurity career of, the, of things that you really feel like, I, I, I need to share this with the, the next generation. This, is, this was so bizarre. The craziest things that I've seen. Yeah, so, so I'm, not a, I'm not a red teamer. So um, they, they have the cool war stories. I don't, I'm, I'm more of a blue hearted uh, type of guy. Yeah. I was an advisor when I was in, uh, when I was in Deloitte. So I was, I was kind of happy if, if, uh, if we coined the name for a team that was newly being set up at a, at a client and I would read back the name of the team in the newspaper, like, uh, nice. or, yeah. or somebody having a job at, and like, I, I was texting the, the person that I worked with uh, at the client and, uh, and I was like, hey, look, that's the name we made up. Yeah, ah, cool. <laughs> They're still using it. Now, I, I, I don't see much crazy stuff. And I, I guess I'm quite happy about that. And I was also wondering from a hospital, um, what do you see there? Because you, you probably do a lot of monitoring and you, you see maybe also state actors that try to intervene or what, what kind of bad guys do you see trying to enter the building? Uh, so so threat-wise for, for healthcare as a sector, um, I'm probably not the right person to ask about this, but threat-wise, the the ransomware gangs—they're—they're your worst concern. Like in Dusseldorf, there was a there was a hospital that got ransomwareed. Uh, they had to turn away an ambulance because they couldn't admit the patient, and oh, wow. the patient died uh, either at the next hospital or in transit. Um, it's not sure whether the ransomware really contributed or she would have died anyway, but this this was a confirmed case of, of somebody actually dying in, in conjunction with a, with a ransomware incident. So this is an absolute nightmare scenario and we don't want that to happen. But I would also say when you just gave that example that maybe a patient has died in transit because uh, he or she couldn't enter the hospital, then I also think, okay, these type of hackers and, and that, that uh, commit a ransomware crime, that's really the worst of the worst type of people, right? If, if you would try to hack a, a, a healthcare institution, but especially a cancer research institute, like how low can you go? Well, this is, this is one of the things that as a, as a consultant, I saw a lot, like who would hurt us? Who, who would want to do this? And this would be their approach to security. Like we don't need security. We're, we're, we're here for everyone. Why yeah. would they try to hurt us? Well, cause you've got money and not everybody's got morals. Yeah. And uh, um, coming a bit towards an, an end, um, I was wondering, uh, what is your main lesson learned from being a CISO these last uh, two years? My main lesson learned, um, I would say still that it's all a big journey. Um, it's, it's important to keep learning. And the job is not about technology. The job is about humans 
and human choices and and human persons there there's a person behind the keyboard and um and that's that's the most important part of uh of it and there's also persons waiting for you at home maybe and you got to take care of those as well you need to find a balance yeah yeah because how do you unwind from a from a long and stressful week well i have a wonderful family at home so uh so they help a lot uh with this yeah. and uh I, I have a papadach as well. I, I I have a fixed day off uh, a week, and uh, I try to spend this. I try to spend this on my family. I have to spend this on my family because otherwise my my kids will go hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> sounds like smart things to to invest in. Yeah. 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 And this is something that that's harder to explain to a commercial client than it is to your actual employer, who you can just make uh, arrangements with. Like who's there watching security? Well, not there. Yeah. No, that, that sounds good. And uh, you are a CISO, but if there's one signal message that you can share with all the CISOs across the world, what would that signal message be? Go talk to each other. I'm, I'm going to say, go talk to each other, hear each other's stories. I, I put out a, a call on LinkedIn uh, last week. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for an information security officer and, and recruitment wasn't going exactly as I'd, as I'd planned in the sense that they would be clamoring over themselves in order to get at this job. And I'm like, okay, screw it. I'm going to do away with all the job requirements and I'm going to tell you what the job is that I need done. And if you think uh, you might be suitable or you just want to share your story and hear mine, uh, go and call me and we'll have, we'll have coffee. And um, this has so far been far more satisfying and far more successful for me uh, than anything else. Also, we've had a red team exercise at, at the uh, at my institute. Um, this has brought me into contact with so many wonderful peers from the industry who want to learn from me, but also want to share from from their own experience. Now that I have something to offer, and and this is very important. Just take time out of your week to go meet with people externally. Yeah. And is there a, a group of CISOs? I, I know for the banking sectors, the, the, there there's a community of CISOs that, that, that organize a round table, so they sit together. Is there also something like this, but then for different sectors, in, in your case, the, uh, the healthcare sector? Oh yeah, there's multiple for healthcare. So you know your CISO peers more or less. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and some of them I meet with one-on-one -on, -one on a regular basis as well. Yeah, that's very smart. That's very good. Yeah. But there's not such an initiative on a global scale. Maybe that could be some of the, the well, legacy that's, you that's can leave. The, that's <laughs> the whole point, right? I'm I'm, I'm not going to organize like like a big circle of one-on-one -on -one meetings for all <laughs> the CISOs around the world. Uh, but but it's 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 worth it to uh, to invest a little bit of time in getting to know somebody else, maybe from another industry, uh, maybe from your own industry. There there's some fun people out there as well. Just yeah, no, amazing. Yeah, thanks so much for, for, for sharing your story. I, I was really uh, intrigued in, in how you started your career, be, being a web developer and then jumping into cancer research and then eventually getting a career in cybersecurity and then moving it back to, to joining uh, a cancer hospital as a CISO. It, it feels like a, a, a nice loop that you went through. So uh, really cool. And is there maybe some final uh, statement you want to make to our listeners? go go have some fun it's it's have not it's, it's not all serious um you don't have to go to work wearing a suit 
you can wear whatever you like and and you'll still be a good information security professional just just be yourself and uh and have some fun you, you've got a long road ahead of you if you're my age so uh better make sure it's a nice one and seek that challenge and seek the challenge have fun in a challenge thank you for listening to cyber security talks we hope you've enjoyed this episode with the latest trends war stories and exciting career anecdotes if you enjoyed the show Please review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, could you do me one small favor? Could you please share this podcast with one friend that you think would like this show just as much as you do? Thank you. And for all further information, please go to csrecruitment.nl slash talks and subscribe to this podcast. We will be back with another exciting episode in just two weeks. So see you next time and stay safe.